This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Jesus gets there. The disciples get there. And it says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, this is very important. This man would have an encounter with the son of the living God. But this wasn't just any ordinary man. Everybody knew about this man. This man was possessed by anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 demons. And the way that he acted portrayed that out. In fact, this man, uh, the scripture tells us that he was so strong, no one was able to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the cemetery and in the hills, he would howl. He would cut himself with sharp stones. The stuff that horror movies are made of was what this guy was. And so it says that when, G when he saw Jesus, he ran to meet him and bowed low before him. Now, whenever a human being comes in contact with the living God, there's a, there are a couple dynamics in play. Uh, particularly in this situation, this was a human being, a man, who was possessed by over 3,000 demons. Well, you have the human spirit, which God had given uh, to this person when he was conceived in his mother's womb. That spirit was very much still alive. But it was being overridden by the spirits of three, over 3,000 demons that were affecting him to do their will. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he runs to Jesus. Now, which spirit do you think was running to Jesus? Think about it for a moment. Was it over 3,000 demons that were running to Jesus? Or was it the spirit that was inside this man from birth? I believe it was the spirit inside this man. There was an inner cry. I want to be set free. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. These chains that the enemy has on my life, I don't want them there anymore. In fact, he was so overwhelmed uh, by the situation, he runs to Jesus, and then I believe we have a switch. Now begins the conversation of the demonic power inside of him that begins to speak in verse 7. Because with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Now we see why that happened, because Jesus had already said to the Spirit, 
Come out of the man, you evil spirit. That tells me that while this man was running to Jesus, Jesus saw his heart. He knew the condition of what he was going through. And before the demons even spoke, he said, come out of the man, you evil spirit. I love that about God is that when I run to him, he already knows why I'm running to him. And my situation never catches him off guard. Jesus demanded, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, there's, some, there's much to be learned from this passage of Scripture. Demonic forces need a place to hang out. Be it a person or an animal, they choose to be resident in that particular entity. And so, Jesus was dealing with this evil spirit. The truth is, is that much of what we deal with in, this, in life, we encounter the demonic supernatural power. Now, overseas, it's a lot more evident because it's not as polished as it is here in the United States. But here in the United States, we have nice terms that identify things. And somehow we can come to the conclusion that if we have a really nice scientific name for something, that the devil can't be involved in it. But the truth be told, we are in a spiritual battle. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so we are engaging on all levels. Whatever you're dealing with, it touches the supernatural, my friend. And for those who want to deny it, they can do so, but they'll never get the victory unless they identify the problem. Because once we identify the problem, we can find out what is necessary to defeat the enemy and gain victory in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what this man needed. He needed a word from God. And Jesus crossed over a lake to go give it to him. Now, the reason I know that is because when all was said and done in this scenario, it says that Jesus ended up climbing back into the boat to go back to the other side when he had finished ministering to this man. He came over and crossed the lake so that this man would be set free. And the scripture says that when Jesus set him free, 
he went and he shared the message with many others. Verse 15 says that when he was set free, he was fully clothed, perfectly sane, and because of that, everybody was afraid. It's amazing how when God does good things, people get afraid. And those who saw what happened spread the news. And what happened? Verse 17 in chapter 5. Listen to this. God does a miracle, right? A person who is headed for destruction, spiritually and naturally. There is no hope for him. He sets him free from over 3,000 demons. And what, is the, what do the people do as they observe what happened? They begin pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes you might think, boy, if Jesus did anything like that, man, I'd be running after him. I'd be wanting him to stick around. But what we don't always realize is that when God shows up, there is a purifying process that begins. And when we are walking in darkness, light will make us uncomfortable. The scripture says that Jesus came as the light and people rejected him. Why? Because they loved darkness rather than light. Now, it doesn't go into detail in this text about what was going on, but I feel safe to say there was stuff going on. They did not feel comfortable with Jesus being around. There was darkness in the area and they liked it better than they liked the light. And when the light began to shine brightly, they said, oh, please leave. You're making us uncomfortable. Now, I want to tell you this. When you follow Jesus, you're going to find yourself in situations where you're going to hear the same news. So get ready for it. Oh, when God works through you and does miracles and God moves through you to touch people's lives, there's such a wonderful feeling about that in your spirit but you also need to be prepared for the response of the world because there will be those who come to you and say, that's good and all, but not around here, please. Can you go do that somewhere else? So be ready for that. Jesus set someone free and the people wanted him to leave. Jesus gave him this instruction Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Now, then Jesus gets in the boat and he goes back to the other side where a large crowd was waiting for him. Verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Okay, so that was the purpose for which Jesus went to the other side of the lake to set someone free. And it wasn't welcomed by everyone, but it was the work of God. The disciples were with him. They observed all these things. But now let's go back to our original text that we were talking about in Mark chapter 4. Verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat 
and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now think about the setting for a minute. Okay, in all fairness to the disciples, put yourself on this boat. Now we traveled on a boat regularly for the past, for seven years prior to coming here. And when the waves began to get strong, it is a scary thing. Now we were riding on a ferry boat that was built in Seattle, Washington, that was massive. It carried 15, uh, it, it carried uh, 15 wheeler trucks, or uh, it carried the very, very large trucks, and it also uh, carried massive amounts of vehicles, along with passengers. And even that boat, during strong storms, had to be canceled, and they would not take that ship back and forth. Now, this boat that Jesus was on, no doubt, was not that size. And so the waves begin, the wind begin. And so here they are. They're in this situation, and the waves are coming in, and they feel that their lives are at stake. In the natural, wouldn't you think that if there's ever a time where worry would be justified, that that would be it? You know, you're in a little boat in the sea. You're about to drown. And, uh, I mean, if there was ever a time to say, Jesus, uh, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you think that that would be one of those times? You know, when I think about these set scenarios, because I've been in other scenarios, it wasn't a ship on a sea but it was in a hospital room where someone's on the monitors and things aren't looking so good. The waves are crashing against the boat, but the waves look a little different. The winds are blowing. The winds are of a different nature. And often in those times, it's so natural for us to respond the same way the disciples did. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? that this is going on? Now, in the meantime, in this situation, Jesus is in the boat sleeping. Now, Jesus knows what's going on, and he knew his mission, and he knew that he would get to the other side. But the disciples were afraid for their lives, and so when Jesus gets up, he doesn't go, oh, guys, I know, I understand. Uh, anybody would do that. Anybody would say what you're saying, so I'm not going to be really strong with you. But rather, he approaches the issue, and he says to them these words, why are you afraid? Do you still have, and he didn't use the word little, no faith. 
Now, you'd think for someone in a very difficult situation that those wouldn't be the words that you might say to them. But Jesus did. And we, we want to be more like Jesus, don't we? See, we have to understand how God handles things for us to truly be like Jesus. That he wants us to trust him. And the disciples weren't trusting him. Here they were with the creator of the universe sleeping in the boat. Now, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was made was made through him, right? So who made the boat that they were in? He did. Who made the sea or the, the, the lake that they were on? He did. Who made the wind? He did. He is the creator of everything. And so he has control over everything. There is not one storm that is too big for God to control it. Not one. Now, sometimes we hesitate to say that or to believe that. Because if we say that and if we believe it, then it leads us to another question. If God has full control over any storm, then why isn't he doing something to stop it? We may not have an answer for that one. So we park there. And we live our lives with an unanswered question of why God does not stop the storm in my life. And I believe that at times Jesus would say to me, to you, the same words that he said to his disciples. When we don't trust God, even though we may feel we have an excuse to say, in this situation, my doubt is justified. But God is faithful all the time. There's not one moment where he fails. So he is with us in every storm. These are very key points for us to remember. Because God doesn't always answer the question outright that we're asking. But he will deal with the key things we need to learn along the way. So one key thing is, is that God is with you in the storm. It may look like he's laying his head on a cushion and sleeping. But that's only because he has full control of the situation. When you know you've got full control over a situation, don't you feel more at ease? You know, I see people who do some very, very dangerous things. I've watched some uh, videos of, of some people who do mountain biking, and the path down the mountain is only about this wide, and they're going down uh, mountains that are about this steep and jumping this and hitting that and doing flips and all these kinds of things, and it's something that I am certainly not prepared to do. But they don't do it once. They do it over and over and over again. So how can they do that? 
It's because they have mastered it to the point where they have control over the situation. That bike or whatever device they're using to be able to do all these tricks, they have become so skilled to be able to know that they are in control for the most part of the situation. And only then can they have peace to go do all these crazy things. But when you don't have control over a situation, there is a lot of fear that can come. And it's the same for every single one of us. When we face something outside of our control, we can feel fear. But what we need to remember is that God has made us a promise. He has said that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. So we have to hold to that. Now, if you read in the book of Psalms, chapter 91, you're going to read a wonderful promise that is for you with a little word attached. Psalm 91 in verse 1 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. You see that word? Rest. What was Jesus doing in the boat? He was resting. Okay? Um, if you want to be able to have any chance of sleeping during a storm, there are a few keys here for you. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. In that verse alone, we see some very important truths. Number one, the protection of the Lord is not guaranteed to everyone. The protection of the Lord is for those who live in the shelter of the Most High. See, you and I have a wonderful privilege to be able to access the protection of God. But we can only do that when we live in relationship with him. This is not an on-call kind of thing. Where you live your life the way you want... And whenever you get in trouble, you call the spiritual 911. And you expect God to show up ASAP. God doesn't operate like that. The truth is, is that our communication line to the Lord is kept live by our relationship with the Lord. When the storm comes, if you have not kept that relationship active, the work you're doing is trying to reestablish the connection line to get the call out. And my friends, sometimes at that point, it's too late. That's why Jesus told the story of the five wise virgins and the five foolish. That is to say that there is a point in our walk with God where we can call out to him. And I was reading this. I believe it was in the book of Isaiah. It says, you will call to me, but I will not answer you. That sounds painful, doesn't it? 
But the reason that is true is because the person doesn't want a relationship. All they want is protection. And they both come as a package deal. You cannot have the protection of God without a relationship with God. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, those are the ones who are going to receive supernatural protection. Oh, I've heard so many stories of servants of the Most High God who have been in war-torn nations, who have been in circumstances where there was trouble and danger all around, and God supernaturally provided protection. Why? Because they were dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Now, I'm here to tell you, the Bible tells us in the Word of God that as a general rule, that when we see trouble coming, we need to use wisdom. And so to the best of our ability, if we have advanced notice, we make necessary arrangements. We don't foolishly stay in a place where trouble has been pre-announced and say, oh, here we go. Let's see how God protects me here. But when we find ourselves in something that we could not remove ourselves from, when we find ourselves in a situation that is overwhelming outside of our control, I'm here to tell you today that the same God who created the universe is with you in that moment. And if you keep open lines of communication with him when the sun is shining, then when the sun is not shining, you have the same direct access to the presence of the living God. And God is able in the middle of whatever hurricane, in the middle of whatever storm may go on in your life, he is able to put his hand of protection upon you and to keep you safe. Our God is able. Our God is able. And that was the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach the disciples because they didn't have faith. Verse 4 of Psalm 91. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. His faithful promises are your protection. That's a verse worth memorizing, friends. If God has promised you something, it's as good as done. But you've got to believe him. You've got to take him at his word. And as you do, God is going to come through for you. Jesus warned us in advance. He said that we are going to live in turbulent times. Now, I want things to get better. Okay? I do. I don't like the things that are going on in nature. I don't like some of the things that are going on in our nation. I don't like some of the things going on in our world. And the Bible says that we are to pray for our leaders. We are to pray for peace in Jerusalem and in our own nation. So we must do that. But on another level, you need to recognize 
that we are in the period of time of birth pains of the revealing of the children of God. What does that mean? That means that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming soon. And in Matthew 24, you read what Jesus said. And he told us that things are going to get out of control. So, my friends, here we are in New England, and we've spoken with many people very, who have said the same thing. I'm glad I live in New England. Because all I have to deal with is the snow. But the truth is, there are storms unexpectedly. It may not be a hurricane, but there are some devastating things that are going to come even to New England. And you and I need to be ready. We need to be ready. Stocking up on water, good stuff. Having flashlights, all that natural stuff, yes, get ready. But I'm here to tell you that none of that is going to suffice for the kind of protection that you will have when you find yourself in the secret place of the Most High. God will... God is able to cover your own property. He is able to protect you and your family in ways that your own level of preparation in the natural will never do. So you want to be prepared? Tune in to the presence of the Lord. It's actually very simple. It's simple, but not an easy task because we have so much distraction pulling us away. Our secret place with God must be something where we stay connected with him. I really want to encourage you. I've said it before, and I want to say it again. You need to have your own time with the Lord every day. You need that. That's more valuable than going out and getting your bottled water before a storm. It is so critical that you stay in tune with God. And I just want to make just a personal recommendation. We live in a day and age where we have so much communication capability. Uh, as a pastor, um, just certain forms of communication have so heightened to the point where it becomes a great challenge. Uh, years ago, be able to receive a letter and have some time to be able to think things through and respond in writing uh, is no longer the case. Uh, people send me a text message and expect a, a major decision answer within minutes. Uh, sometimes it's very challenging. I don't like it. Uh, sometimes I wish that there were a more time that was expect the expectation level. But along with that comes also distraction. Distraction that can affect every single one of us. Now, on your phone now, you can do more than you could do with any other device many years ago. And along, that, along with that comes you have access to the Word of God. You have access to good devotionals. You have access to all kinds. I mean, you can have Bible study apps, all kinds of good stuff. And it's good. But I want to give you an encouragement. When you're alone with God, do everything you can to shut the door to everything else during that time. And you have to make that decision, how that works for you. Okay, I'm not laying down a law, but I'm just making a recommendation. As of yet, this doesn't ding when I get a text message. When a news alert comes, a little sound doesn't go off. 
when there was another post on Facebook, it doesn't pop up in front of my face on this. So just a little recommendation. It's okay to have all that other stuff, and sometimes it's really good on the go. But set aside some time without that stuff. Because it'll help you stay focused. It'll help you be able to stay in touch with God. And this is for you as adults, but I also want to make a recommendation for your children. If you have a tough time staying focused, what do you think about your kids? Now, when you send them to Sunday school and you send them to children's church, there's all kinds of capabilities for you to send them with. But I highly recommend the paper version of the Word of God for your kids. And here's the reason. It won't distract them. Okay. You can tell them all you want. Don't look at this and make sure you don't click on that and all that's good. But it's so hard for those boundaries to be abided by. But with this, that's all they got. So I just recommend that you consider that with your kids. With the Word of God, let it be just for them to, to read the Word of God in, in, a, in, a, in a Bible book form when you don't want them to be distracted. Now, for them to read it in maybe other times or whatever, uh, that's fine, but I would recommend you at least have a period of time where that's it, just them and God. That was just some side things I wanted to share. But I wanted to get back now to what Jesus did when he was in the boat. Right after he said, do you still have no faith? the disciples were absolutely terrified. Now listen to this question that they ask. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. What does that tell me? Th they still didn't know who they were with. They still didn't know who they were following. Who is this man? They were afraid. Here they were with Jesus, and they still didn't know him yet. And I believe that all of us are on a, a learning journey, and we need to get to know who God is. There is nothing that is ever out of his control. The truth is, is that when this world fell, when we fell, when Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey, it didn't just affect them. It affected nature. That's why thistles began to grow. That's why Adam would have to work a lot harder to get what he would get for, from the ground. Remember what the scripture says? By the sweat of your brow, you're going to be able to get your food. It affected everything. It affected the wind. And so when the enemy was cast down to earth after he rebelled against God, the Bible says that he operates to a certain degree as the prince of the power of the air. So there's things we don't always see and understand, but the enemy can use nature. Just as the enemy used those pigs when he went in them. And what did they all do? Innocent little piggies 
all ran into the lake and drowned. Who did that? The enemy. You see? The enemy did that. So you have to recognize that it's not just God saying, let's start Hurricane Irma over here. There is the power of the enemy at force, at work. And yet we have the opportunity as children of God to affect that. The question is, how do we affect it? And what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to simply say like Jesus did? Be still. Silence. I want to share with you something that I believe is really critical in our walk with God. Your authority and my authority in the supernatural realm is directly related to the level of your obedience and my obedience to the word of God and your level of submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. A person who wishes to stand on any given day and rebuke a storm cannot arbitrarily do so. But rather, when we operate in the power of the creator of the universe and when his power flows through us, it does not originate from us. It originates from him. We do have the authority to speak to the wind. We have the authority to speak to a mountain. But that authority is something that comes from God himself. And just like when a person in this world operates in their realm of authority, they cannot do just what they want to do. They must operate within the laws that are set in place. Because once they step out of that authority, the very law that they broke will condemn them. The enemy spoke to Jesus when he was being tested and said, why don't you make these stones bread, supernatural. You know God's able to do that. He can do anything. But at the core was a test of confidence in God's provision. Jesus responded and said, it is written, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. At the bottom of that question was a sense of doubt saying, you need to do this to survive. Jesus said, no, I don't. My father's got my back. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what you go through, you cannot keep yourself safe. You cannot keep yourself safe. You must have the Lord. You must have the Lord. It's not just a big storm you need to be concerned about. Our life is like a vapor. We can be here today and gone tomorrow. So it's not just the big things we need to be concerned about. In him we live and move and have our being. He keeps our heart beating. He keeps our lungs breathing. 
It's because of his sustaining power. That same sustaining power is the power that protects us. And we must believe that God loves us, that he cares about us, and that he is not willing that we perish. That's not his desire. He doesn't want us to perish in the sense of losing our life eternally. He also is interested in us being protected by his mighty hand. Now there's another sermon to be preached another day. But I want to touch on it because it may be in the back of your mind. What about when God brings someone in a storm through a situation and they end up being affected in a negative way? Okay. Now, to that I just simply want to say that God is still with that person. He walks with them. And he will use whatever situation for his glory. But don't allow that question to stop you from believing in the power of God to protect you. God is able. Ask him, trust him, and believe him. The more that we get to know the word of God, and the God of the word, the more we will be able to operate in the power and the authority of God. So you don't feel like you're alone in a world where anything can happen to you. You need to remember that you are in the palm of God's hand. It will provide for you the necessary security and I'm going to be honest with you, there have been things that God has worked in my heart that I have been afraid of. And the only way that God has worked in my life as it relates to dealing with those fears is that he is present with me. And, and during those times of fear, I have actually had to say sometimes out loud to myself, God, I know that you are with me right now. So I believe that in life or in death, I have peace. And as the three Hebrew children said when they were facing the fire, our God is fully able. But even if he doesn't choose to do that, I still will not compromise. Let that be your statement of faith. God, you're able to protect me from the storm. But if for some reason your name will be glorified for putting me in a dangerous situation and I get affected by it in some way, I will still trust you. <laughs> 